So we're going to dive into the book of Joshua. Joshua is that story of entering into God's inheritance. And, and Joshua is interesting as an Old Testament story. It's an Old Testament narrative. It's told as the story history of Israel. It is Israel's actual history. So when I say story, don't think it's like it's something that's made up. It's not real. It's real history, and yet it's, it's not just a list of facts and dates. You know, you can take a history class, and you have to learn this date and that date, this name and that name. It's not that way. It's telling a story, a story of God's faithfulness to his people that reminds us that God is faithful to his people. What he says he will do, where he says he's going to bring them, it's going to happen. The new life he has promised, it's going to be fulfilled, just as God said that it would. And so he reminds us of the story because the story just isn't about history. Something that happened long ago, there's something about the story that parallels a reality in our lives today. That we have been given a promise from God. We have been given an inheritance of a new life. God has taken us from, a, from being in bondage to sin in the same way or a similar parallel to how Israel was in bondage to, to slavery in Egypt. And he redeems them from that. By the blood of a Passover lamb, they are brought out of Egypt. And, and they're being brought out of Egypt. They're redeemed out of that bondage, that slavery, to live a new and fruitful and blessed life with their God that he has for them. Now, they're a little slow of getting there because of their own fear because of their own hesitancy, because of their own lack of, of, of willingness to trust God for what he said that he would do. But now in the book of Joshua, those 40 years have passed. And we know from the history, and we know from what follows, that, that that wandering in wilderness is now coming to an end. And now's the time for them to enter into, to take steps into this new life, this life of blessing that God has promised. It's going to be very different from Egypt. It's going to be brand new. And now is the time for them to enter in. And that's the story of the book of Joshua. That's how it's going to start. And it, there's parallels. We just came out of a series in the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, we are focusing especially on spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare in Ephesians. And so now we come now to Joshua. And one of the reasons we're doing this is Joshua illustrates in the telling of the story... As, we're re as we rehearse, as we're reminded of the story, we're reminded of spiritual, spiritual realities that are as true now as they were then. It's a different land. It's a different generation. It's new people, but it's a very similar story. And even as Joshua leads them into that blessing that God had promised for them, watch this, so also Joshua is leading us into a new life of blessing that he has promised us, out of bondage to sin, into a new life of blessing in relationship with him. Wait a minute, you said, I thought that was Jesus. In Hebrew, it would be, in Hebrew, the name for Jesus would be Yahshua. Joshua. So you see, the name goes all the way back from there. In fact, as this book starts out, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving, the, giving to them, to the people of Israel. 
They're going to go across the Jordan. They're going to go across the river again. They're going to go across, I'll get ahead of the story, on dry land all over again, just like they did. Just like they, when they came out of Egypt. So we're picking up from the Red Sea, folks. Out of bondage, out of slavery, by the blood of the Lamb, into new life. And Joshua has to be the one. They have been In one way, they've been hanging around waiting on Moses. Well, no, they haven't been because they had 40 years. They had this whole generation that needed to wait. The ones who wouldn't believe could not enter in. You don't enter into God's inheritance. You don't receive God's blessing if you refuse to believe him for it. And so, but Moses cannot lead them in because, as John chapter 1, verse 17 says, the law comes by Moses, but grace and truth comes by Jesus Christ. We do not receive our inheritance, our promised blessing from God. We don't receive that by law any more than Israel would receive theirs from Moses. It has to be Joshua that leads us in. Moses has died. And there's something that Paul does in the New Testament with, in the book of Romans in chapter 6. In fact, our baptism is, is wrapped up in this. That we have died to the law through the body of Christ. That we have died with Christ. His death was for us. His death is in our place, and so we have died with Jesus to all the requirements of the law of Moses so that we can be raised with him to walk in newness of life. You see the parallels? A new life and a new land. Not by Moses, but by Joshua. Not by laws and rule-keeping, but by faith in Jesus. See the parallels already, even as we just start the first couple, couple of verses in this book. This is a book about gaining new ground. Israel's going to take the land. God has given it to them. It's theirs. The problem is, there's these people who were still living there. And they're wanting to hold on to it. And yet, uh, it is not theirs any longer. God has already taken it from them and given it to his people. And yet, there's going to be this spiritual battle going on. Those who have rebelled and who, who will not follow the Lord God and his people. And so there's, there's that, that correlates not to people around you that you have difficulty with. The battles here in Joshua do not correlate to your neighbor down the street who is just so hard to get along with. No. Paul tells us we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with men and women. But we, we, we war, we wrestle with spiritual powers in the heavenly places. That we're in a spiritual warfare. That was our series in Ephesians. And so what you see in these physical wars here entering this land, there are realities here for us on a spiritual level, in in spiritual warfare, as we will take next steps into this new life, this new inheritance that God has for us in Jesus. All right? So don't read Joshua and come up at all the places. Okay, well, there's this war going on. And we, are we really supposed to kill people? My, my difficult neighbor down the street, is that the answer? Do I burn his house down like they, bore, like, uh, like they burned down Jer- Jericho and Hazor? Do I march around his six-foot privacy fence seven times? No. No. But I will believe God. And I will believe God for victory over the spiritual evil that resists us and has entrapped so many people around us. We will step into this. We're not just going to wander around the edges. We are going to step into this new life. So as we go through Joshua, I want you to look for ways, look for parallels. 
As you read ahead, go ahead, look ahead of the story. We'll come back to it. We'll catch up with you. But look for parallels in terms of the spiritual dynamic of how do I enter into it? How do I take the next step, believing God, into this inheritance that God has given us in Jesus? We're gaining new ground, taking next steps in the book of Joshua. So then if we're going to do that, it's, it's time to get going. It's time for you to take the next step into your inheritance that God has promised. That's the initial word to Joshua and the people. Let's pick it up again in verse 3. We read the first two verses already. So in verse 3, it's time for you to step in. It's time for you to move forward. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea. So everything from the Sinai all the way up to Lebanon and past Jordan all the way over to the Euphrates, all the way out to the Mediterranean, all of this is God's land for them. All that green stuff on the front of your bulletin. From the, to, toward the going down of the sun, it will all be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This entering in is based on promise. God has made a covenant with these people. It's a covenant based on the blood of a sacrifice in their place. It's a covenant based on the blood of the lamb. It's as Jesus tells us, his death is a new covenant for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. These are people also in covenant, in a promised relationship with God. And God has promised them this land that stretches all the way back. The language of verse 3 reminds us of God's promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 12 that God would give him this land. In fact, everywhere he walked, go, 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 go out there, Abraham. Walk around in it. Travel up and down. Go all over it. Every place where you walk, this is the land that I'm going to give you and to your descendants. And so this is the land that was promised in the Abrahamic covenant to their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And now they're going to experience the fullness of that promise. Abraham wandered in it, never owned it. He had to purchase the place for his, his, his family graves for, from somebody else who owned it at the time because God said, this is going to be yours. But it wasn't yet. And now, and now, Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And the whole family descended from him. Now's the time for them to enter in. That's what's going on. God's, what God has promised He is faithful to fulfill. There's a personal responsibility involved in this. God commanded him three times. Verse 6, verse 7, verse 8. Be strong 
and courageous. It's before you. It's here. But they didn't enter in. 38 years ago, they had this opportunity, and they did not enter in. Why? There's giants in the land. We can't do this. We could never defeat them. We could never win those battles. Absolutely right. And guess what? They still can't. God's going to make that abundantly clear at Jericho that it is not up to them. It's up to him. They couldn't defeat the enemy then. They can't defeat the enemy now. But God says, I am with you. You can be strong. You can be courageous. You can be strong to stand against the enemy. You can be strong to resist his temptations. You can be courageous to speak up when you think somebody's going to laugh at you or throw it back in your face. You can be strong and courageous. Why? Because God has said, I am with you. I'm with you. Oh, that's not just Yahweh to, 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 to Joshua, is it? That's Jesus to his church. I am with you. That's Jesus to you. I am with you. Victory is assured. You will cause this people to inherit the land. It's based on a promise. It cannot be changed. But there's a way of fruitfulness and blessing here. For them to enjoy the land, for them to have the benefit of them, for them to live in the fullness of what has been promised to them is going to take them walking with God instead of away from him. That's true then, it's true now. You see, all of Deuteronomy 27 and 28 are still true. If, when, when they walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a wonderful blessing is going to be upon their way. But when they wander off, when they leave God's promise and head off for the desert spiritually, they're going to experience the desert in their lives as well. And we sometimes understand that. We misunderstand that as a transactional thing. That God has got this list of stuff he wants you to do. And if you'll behave, if you'll do it, if you'll fill the list, if you'll tick the squares, if you will do all of those things that he's so fussy about, then he'll make stuff good for you. He'll give you stuff. He'll take care of you. You'll have money. You'll have a car, a house, a job, whatever it is. And when you don't have those things, well, it must be because I forgot to do one of the things that God wanted me to do. It's a transactional-based thing. But that's not it at all. God wants them to walk in his ways. God wants them to walk in his covenant just as he laid out for them because God wants them to find the reality of their fulfillment that is found nowhere else except in him. And when they wander off, when they try to find it other places, when they chase shiny stuff, and when they go after other gods who they think can give them satisfaction and prosperity and try to find fulfillment in their lives in something else other than the Lord who loves them and brought them here, God pulls back the blessing, not because he wants to punish them because they're not doing things his way, but because he doesn't want them to be fooled into thinking they can be fulfilled in anything less than him because they can't. And all of us have a, have a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped hole in our heart. It's long been said that we try to fill in all kinds of ways, but it can only be filled in relationship with the God who loves us, the God who made us, he created us to be in relationship with him. And we, we, we experience that. We know him as we walk in his ways, as we take next steps with him rather than just wandering off on our own. I'm, think, I'm thinking of some of the trails that Julie and I have just walked together. And we can walk together, and it's beautiful, and we enjoy that, and we enjoy one another, and we're, we're talking together, and we travel through all kinds of stuff together along the trail. And yet, if I just, oh, that hill looks interesting, that's not the trail, but I want to go there. And so I just go scampering up the hill. 
Well, you do that once or twice, and you can't even find the original trail again, first off. But I'm not walking with Julie anymore. We're not having that wonderful relationship about, look at these beautiful trees. Look at that hillside. Look at that waterfall. Look at those, look at those salmon coming up, the, coming up the stream here. Wow. We're not sharing those things together anymore because we're not walking together any longer. You see, I've wandered off. And so here... The Lord is, telling, is reminding his people, don't, don't wander off. You cannot find fulfillment in somewhere else other than with him. And so, they're going to need to be strong and courageous. The way to be strong and courageous, the basis to be strong and courageous is to stay in my word. Why? Know me. He says, let these words be on your head. Meditate on them. Let them be in your mind. uh, Teach them to yourselves and memorize them. Let them not leave your mouth. It means you're going to recite them. You're going to be saying these things to one another. Share God's truth back and forth together because as you're in God's truth, as you're knowing him more fully from his truth, guess what? You'll be knowing him more deeply. You'll be walking with him more fully. You'll experience this blessing and you will be strengthened you will be braver. You'll be able to resist the temptations that come. You'll stand strong against them. You'll, 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 you'll have courage in the midst of intimidation because you not only know what God has said, but you know your God who said it. That's what he's urging them in relationship with him so that they will be strong and courageous because that's what it's going to take against the obstacles that you're going to encounter. You need to be strong and courageous. You heard they need more help in the nursery, in pre-K. You need to be courageous. There are giants in the nursery. No, he said, I've never done that. There's many things, many different opportunities. Tap on the shoulder. There's a need here. Could you help? Could you come along? And who am I? I I, I can't do that. That's okay. God has said, I am with you. Be strong and courageous. You've got, a, you've got a neighbor next door, maybe just, has just had a family tragedy. You'd like to do something, you like to say something. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. Who are you? Go ahead. Be brave. Step forward. And just see what God will do just with your willing presence to come alongside and to, to grieve with those who grieve. Your boss expects you to misrepresent to close the deal, to push a more expensive item on a customer that they don't really need, to stretch the facts a little bit that something will really do, something that maybe it won't quite do, to do these things in, in, in order to close a deal rather than to serve the customer. And your, your, your integrity says, well, I shouldn't do that. That's not right. I, I'm, I'm lying. I'm deceiving. I'm, I'm using them for our own benefit. Stand strong. Be strong. Your God is with you. Even when it's just you and you're sitting alone, you and your phone, and you've been wandering around the internet and you can go all kinds of places there and you can go places there that you should not go. You kind of like to go there. You kind of like to see what's there. And yet it'll grab hold of you. It will ensnare you and suck you further in and away from fellowship with your God. And you need to be strong. And the way that you will be strong, the way that you will be courageous. The way that you'll be strong to resist the enemy and the way that you'll be courageous to take the next step forward is to spend the time knowing your God. Because he says, I am with you. We need to be strong and courageous 
And because we need to be strong and courageous, we will not take next steps forward. We will not stand in this land. We will not stand in this new life if we are not strong and courageous. And we'll need to be strong and courageous together. We will need to stand for each other here. Look at verses 10 to 15. Take God's next steps together. Take them together. This is not an a, a individual operation. This is not an individual invasion into the promised land. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, so spread the word to everybody. It's not some of us are going, all of us are going. We're in this together. Pass through, command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days. Get ready to take the next steps because you are to pass over this Jordan and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. In verse 12, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, of the 12 tribes of Israel. So these two and a half tribes of the 12 total, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock will remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. So they have already received their allotment, this land on the east side of the Jordan. That's, that's that area of Bashan, and then down from there towards Jericho. It's a beautiful, fruitful land too. And they have settled in there, and, and God has said, this will be your portion, but now it's time to go into the land. And yes, your, your flocks and your wives and your little ones, they'll remain in this land that God has given them, but, but look at verse 15. Or end of verse 14. All the men of valor among you, all the men of war, all the warriors among you shall pass over armed before your brothers. You'll be at the tip of the spear. Having received your own inheritance already, you are now going to lead the charge that you help others to enter in also. It's not just about you and yours. It's not just about me and mine. It's about us. It's about together walking into the blessing, the inheritance that God has for us. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers, and so he has to you. And they also take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and self-possess it. The land that Moses, your servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan, beyond the sunrise. So they are going to in, they're going to receive and be able to enjoy their own inheritance as and only when they help lead others into theirs as well. So easily, we, we, in our culture, which is a very individual-oriented culture, you could say selfish, but I'm going to say individually-oriented. Isn't that a nice way of putting it? A very individually-oriented culture, we can easily be carried along in those currents that I really need to look after me. I really need to look after mine. And everybody else, well, maybe, you know, I could help out a little bit here and there, but what's first and foremost is me and mine. And the Lord tells Joshua to tell them, the, um, the two and a half tribe, Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh, he tells them, you leave yours to me. You leave yours to me. I'll look after them. You're going to leave your wives and your little ones and your sheep. All your sheep laying on, the, on those fat cows in the pasture. Somebody from, from Damascus could be just waiting to send a raiding party down there. You leave them to me. And you lead your brothers in to what I have for them. It's not about you. It's about us. You see how it works? 
You, in fact, will receive your inheritance as you give yourself to leading others in. Parents know this. It's been said that you don't really mature, you don't really grow up yourself until you have the responsibility of helping somebody else to grow up. You say, well, I don't have any kids. I don't have anybody to spit up all over me and wake me up at night and have to use my money to buy stuff for them that I could have bought for myself. You can do that for somebody else. You can give of yourself. You can give of your time, treasures, and talents. You can devote some of your energy not to your own advancement, but for the spiritual good and benefit of somebody else. And as you give yourself away, like Jesus, who didn't come to be served, remember, but to be served and to give his life a ransom for many. It's in the giving of yourself away. It's in the giving of yourself for others that you yourself will grow into that Christ-likeness which is our inheritance. Growing up together into the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. And so just like Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh, just as they are going to give, are, are, are going to lead their others in, we are going to give ourselves to lead others in. That not just that I would know Jesus more fully, but I will give, help somebody else know Jesus more fully. And that's where I'll know him too. Okay. It's time for us to step into the inheritance that God has promised us, and we're going to have to step into it together. You know, it's been said that these two and a half tribes helping others, there's an application for the church at large. There's a quote I want to read to you here. It says, we are part of a big extended family. The book of Joshua dealt extensively with the tension of unity in a geographical divergence. You've got these people, they're scattered, they're, 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 on the, they're on the east of Jordan, and they're on the west of Jordan, and, and they're apart from each other, and they're up north, and they're down south, and yet they're all together Israel. And that's going to be a tension on through their history, isn't it? They've been released from the identity of, of this one group all together in Egypt. And the Christian church may face this as our biggest hurdle, this author says. Released from an identity of one geographical spot, Israel, Jerusalem, the church continues to struggle with the problem of expressing its loyalty to the one body when it's separated by so many different conditions. Language, culture, denominations, socioeconomics, how much money some of us have and some of us don't. These things have been produced by the church's historical development around the world and across cultures, right? Today, a tribal, national, patriotic identity collides with and intrudes upon the church's true identity as a heavenly people with one true land. That we are a people together in Christ that transcends any other national or political identity. That's his point. At the same time, there's an application individually. We need to think about the church big and globally. We need to think about the church individually and locally. That we will give ourselves that I will best grow in my own walk as I give of myself to help another in their walk. It's one of the reasons we, we 
value growth group ministry. And this fall, we're going to take another crack. We're going to take another push at it. You're going to hear about us again. Hey, there's some new groups forming again, and would you like to be a part of one? Some of you are new around here fairly recently. You haven't been part of that kind of a, a growth group, a small group ministry, whether it meets here at the church, whether it meets in somebody's home. You haven't been in that before, and we would love for you to have that experience of walking together with other growing believers. We want to worship together, whole church. We want to be growing together. We want to be giving of ourselves and serving together. And we often best, some of the best of these groups have been multi-generational, uh, across generational lines that, that some of you have gone further and you've, you've, uh, you've been further down the trail of life than some of those who are younger than you. You said, well, it wasn't perfect though. I'm no expert at life because look at all the mistakes I made. Yes, you know where all the twigs and roots that you can trip on are. You've stumbled over most of them and you can help somebody else who's following along after you avoid them, can't you? at least some of them. You've got some wisdom of experience in life to tell somebody who's just a half step or, or three strides behind you on the trail, and they will benefit from you and your experience. We need to step into this inheritance God has given us. We need to take next steps into this Christian life. We need to take those next steps together, and we need to, in order to take those steps leading others, we need to lead the way by following well. We need to lead the way by following well. Look at how these, that Joshua lays that burden upon them, you're going to help lead others in. Look how they respond in verse 16. They answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Whatever you say we'll do, wherever you send us, we're going to go. This sounds like a missionary call, doesn't it? Oh, I can't wait. I still remember back when the, the group last year, this idea of we're gonna, we need to send a team from, from, uh, from the church to India, and we need to, we're starting these, these pastoral training centers, and, and we need to see the work that's been going on that we've had a part in in these churches in India. And I didn't want to go to India. It's funny, it's goofy, really, because I didn't want to go to India for the same reason that most of you wouldn't want to go to Africa. The same kind of things, the same kind of differences, the same kind of development things, and things aren't clean, and the food's different and weird, and there's all kinds of reasons why I didn't want to go. I'll go to Africa, because I know something about that. India, I knew nothing about, except now I know. Because they've got some fascinating curry, and some of it I can even eat. But they've got some wonderful people. And along with wonderful saints that I've had the privilege of, of serving shoulder to shoulder with and being enriched by, they've also got some wonderful people that are in bondage to a spiritual enemy and desperately need help. And we get to be some of that. God has invited us into that. If Bob would only have the courage to also join in. We can hesitate. We can be afraid. And yet... God would use us. Where I had to go through that whole missionary thing all over again. That's why, that's why I had a little rabbit trail. Because I had to go through that whole missionary thing again. I'll go wherever you want me to go, Lord. Even if it's across the way to Chapman where the kids hang out. Or maybe it's over here in the Rev Center where the high school hangs out. Or maybe it's over here in the Rev Center where the seniors hang out. I will give something of myself even to people that aren't my people so that they also can enter into the blessing that God has for them. Where you send, we will go. 
That's not a blind call to obedience. It's, it's, within the, it's, it's, it's within the framework that Moses has already given. But when somebody taps you on the shoulder, somebody that you could look up to as a spiritual leader who's further down the trail than you, they tap you on the shoulder and they say, I think, I think God's put something in you that, that, that would really work here. Would you join me in this ministry? Would you join me in this serving? What are you going to do when somebody taps you on the shoulder? Will your response be like theirs? What you say will do, where you send will go. Not in blind obedience, but we will follow those who are following Christ. We'll trust him by following them. They said, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. There's the condition, right? We want to follow somebody who we have seen is following the Lord. Show me something worth believing. Show me something worth following. You know, there can be a thing that's kind of like a spiritual empty nester's. We've been in the midst, we've been in the battle, and our own kids spurred us on that, that, that we needed to get active for them and for others. And so we gave ourselves, we got involved, and now they've gone on and they're out of the house and they're on their way and they're launched, and they're not just launched in life, they're launched spiritually and they're, they're on an even keel and things are going pretty good there. And uh, I got a little breathing room. <sighs> and now I got a little extra a little extra time, like a little extra discretionary time, some discretionary money, and you're saying, what? Listen, if I've got discretionary time and discretionary money as a pastor, you've got some empty nesters. You've got some discretionary time and some discretionary money, right? Something that you could choose. What am I going to do with this? Maybe now is the time to just relax and live a little. You know, I had my turn there. You're not going to grow on the couch watching Netflix. It just doesn't work that way. It works. We grow. We grow further. And now when we could sit and rest and yet those around us see you pouring yourself in because the gospel is what matters. And I'm going to give myself. I'm going to be. I'm going to spend and be spent for the sake of the gospel. Those who were watching you that you didn't know they noticed. They're going to see that and you have showed them something worth believing and something worth following. We want to follow those that we are convinced that we're going to be better off because we followed them. And if we want to be better off spiritually, we're going to look for those that we can follow who have given themselves to follow the Lord. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So those of us you might consider in an empty nester stage of spiritual life, now's the time to dive in all the more for our own sakes, and for the sakes of those who would follow you. We'll follow you, Joshua, but only may God be with you. In fact, whoever rebels against your commandment and whoever disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall be put to death. No, no, this is, this is not how you serve the pastor. This is not how you support the pastor, weeding out all the troublemakers in the church. No, I said, take these, take these things here that are about individuals and, and let's make them corporate in terms of our own... Our own um, sense our own followership together, but also individually. Is there some rebellion in me? Is there some stubbornness in me? Is there some disobedience in me that needs to be purged out so that I can follow the Lord? I'll put that to death. I will lay that down so that I may follow him. 
Only be strong and courageous. We'll lay those things aside. We'll follow Joshua. Only you be strong and courageous. Parents of young ones, perhaps. It's obvious that there are people that need to follow you. Your spiritual life matters for you and it matters for them. But what about others around you? What about other parents who aren't followers of Jesus, who don't really know him? They've got kids. You've got kids. Use the common ground of kids to bring them to common ground at the cross. Notice something about their kids. Something, something cool, something neat about their kids. Uh, invite them into something spiritual that your kids do, like Sunday school or Awana. Share that care and interest and desire for what's best for your kids together with others. Kids are door openers for missionaries, I was told. We took three overseas with us and found a fourth one while we were there. And, and um, The... Um, that, that, but I, I was told, don't worry, yeah, your support rate goes up when you have all these kids to feed too. But that's okay because kids just open doors. So, so, so young parents, there you go. You've got opportunities all around you with all these other young, young parents. What about grandparents? Some of the best groups, I mentioned best growth groups we've had are multi-generational, old, older folks connecting with younger folks. We intentionally do that in our dinners for seven, trying to put different people together to get to know one another. The grandparents, you've noticed that, that these younger folks have, have energy. It's kind of wasted on them, right? Energy is wasted on the youth. You've got the wisdom. They've got the energy. Somehow we need each other. God seems to have done that in family. He's done that in his own family. Don't be, older, the older ones among us, don't be so wrapped up in the drama in your own family that you lose sight of how God would use you in his family in your family. Example of that is Mrs. E. I think they've already, they've already slipped out because they were in the first service. But Mrs. E gave herself one, one year after another to those pre-K families. Not just the kids, but the parents. She, she, she came alongside young couples and just got as excited as they were about their weddings. I just can't do it. Okay, we're going to have a wedding. It's great. Do you people know what you're doing? You know, I'm, 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 doing, the, I'm doing, the, uh, doing the other side of the thing. Are you really sure? Are you, re- are you ready? Oh, my goodness. And she is just so excited. Oh, we're going to give this. is going to be great. And she's just got all the enthusiasm of that young couple and coming right alongside them. We need that. We need that encouragement together. That's how. They're going to cross this Jordan and they're going to do it together. But that's not all. They will be strong and courageous because the Lord, their God, is with them. He himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And those are words that are not just to Israel and Joshua. Those are Jesus' words to his church. Those are Jesus' words to you. You can enter in. You can take the next step. You can give yourself away. You can resist. You can be strong. You can be courageous because the Lord your God is with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the life that you have given us in Christ. We thank you, Father, that 
because of the Lord Jesus, we can be strong and courageous. That you have called us to live in this new life that you've given us. Not just to wait around, to lean on an eternal death insurance policy. But rather you want us to already live in this new life that you've given us that will be ours with you for all of eternity. To already lean into it, to what we can begin to already experience in knowing and walking with you. Lord, would you help us to do that? Would you show us, would you show us a way before us that involves where we would give ourselves away? Would you show us a way before us that who we would walk with and, and who we would lead and who we would follow, who we would serve alongside? Father, would you cause us to give ourselves away? It seems a strange to say so just before we receive the offering, but Lord, would you use that? Would you use what we give, but Father, would you use those communication cards that we might give ourselves again to you, trusting you for our own needs and rather asking that you would use us for the sake of others and for your glory. Lord, as this church right here in this place, in this community, Father, use us both to know you together and to show you to others. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.